Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Vanderbilt Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. In the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins, and I'm joined once again by Ryan Seymour. On today's show, Ryan and I catch up with Joe Townsend, former Vanderbilt offensive lineman. We talk with Joe about his experience in the program and what the Commodores need to do in order to get back on track after another disheartening loss to Ole Miss. But before we get started, we can't forget to... Today, we're here with Joe Townsend. Joe, we are honored for to have you on the show today. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Man, I'm honored to be here. Thank you guys, Matt, Ryan, so much for having me on. You know, me and Matt, I, I keep smiling just looking at Ryan. I just want to give him a big old hug, man. Me and Ryan got a lot of history, a lot of memories together, a lot of wins under our belt together. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm really am happy to be here. We got Nash, we got Hendersonville and Nashville's finest. We got a local celebrity on tonight. Hey, man, I don't know about that, but I am <laughs> from the area. I am from the area. I say, everyone always asks me, I said, I played, I, they say, where'd you play football at? I said, I played at Vaney. They go, oh, do you know Joe Townsend? <laughs> <laughs> that's, only, that's only when you're in Nashville, not anywhere else. That's it. That's only. No, man. It, it's, it's local. It's local commodity. I'm telling you. Well, that's great. What a, what a great support system. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of friends, man. Yeah, I mean, it's you and Wesley Tate from uh, from up in Hendersonville. Oh, I have no, I have no comparison with Wesley. I mean, Wesley, he, he really is like. He knows everybody yeah, or everybody knows him. Yeah. Well, and his brother. Well, yeah. Yeah. But aside from that, I mean, Wesley Tate is, he's, he's a known, he's a known guy, you know, and, and a lot of people think highly of him. So yeah, we had Wes on the show a couple months yeah. ago, actually. So yeah. 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 That was I a lot of fun. Like yeah. He's, he's, he's a nice guy. He, yeah, he's one of the good ones. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Well, as you guys all know, we here at Believe in Vanderbilt Football are brought to you by betonline.ag. The football season is in full swing. And although you may not be at the game this year, especially if you're going to Vandy, only seniors can get in, not even parents. We can talk about that later. You can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Uh, Vandy, of course, lost and failed to cover the spread last week, and they are 19.5-point underdogs this week at Mississippi State. That is just absolutely pathetic because Mississippi State, after their win against LSU, has scored a combined 28 points in their last four games. Uh, I don't even know if I want to ask you guys about the line on this game because it's so pathetic. So uh, all I'm going to say is that from game spreads to totals, team player and coaching props, bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's just hop right into talking about what the frick happened this past weekend against Ole Miss. I was on an Ole Miss podcast earlier today talking with Jordan Dollinger, uh, who does uh, Believe in Rebels. And I just I couldn't muster up any excitement or any encouragement about anything. She's all, what, what did you like from the game? I was like, nothing. Just absolutely positively nothing. Because as you guys saw, Joe, like the team was woefully underprepared, if not even prepared at all. 
Yeah. Um, honestly, I didn't watch all of the game. I turned it off because I, I was getting so, I guess, upset. But it's, it's hard to watch, man. It really is. And um, like we were discussing earlier before we went live here, um, 2020 has brought a lot of, you know, uncertainty and a lot of different challenges for a lot of different people. But the thing about other SEC teams are they're managing and they're moving along. They're trucking along, you know, and they're still able to win games. You know, the team's like, you know, Alabama, obviously, has anything happened to them? Has COVID affected them? No. I mean, they're still dominating. They're still doing good. And I'm not trying to compare Alabama to Vanderbilt, but it's just teams that we play with, teams that we are in the same conference with, uh, still winning, Georgia, LSU. I mean, yeah, there's been some losses in there, but as far as being a dominant program, being one of the best in the country, they haven't really lost much. And it's like, I don't even know if Vanderbilt needs to be in the SEC right now. I don't think they deserve to be in the SEC. I don't think we could go to Murfreesboro and and, and play MTSU. Uh, You haven't watched MTSU this year, man. They are bad. They are really bad. They are. Tennessee, the state of football, Middle Tennessee is not good right now it is not good like i'll tell you that much ain't like austin p is doing anything either it's tough man it's tough joe how does uh how does Derek mason address the team moving forward you know if you're in the shoes of Derek mason obviously we're sitting here behind a microphone you know talking about our frustrations how does how does Derek mason motivate his players moving forward i mean we started out having lost you know haven't won a game and i talked to matt last week about how critical this game against ole miss was there's they've got no momentum looking for you know looking ahead at the schedule i don't see i don't think i don't see a team where we're going to be able to get a win this year i think we might honestly finish the season 0 and 10 how how does Derek mason motivate his guys moving forward well i think and and this comes back to 2020 years past i, I think there's a lot of you know, things that Derek Mason can use to motivate his guys because in, in, in time and in certain games, he has been competitive as a, you know, as a head coach and as a team, they've been competitive, but right now, honestly, this, this season right now, I don't know, Ryan, because who are we going to beat? We don't, we can't even field a full team with uh, the full amounted, you know, allotted scholarships that were granted. We can't even do that. I don't know how you motivate them. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't have a clue. Twenty nineteen and back. I can. I can. I can talk on that. But right now, hey, I think he's not only is he, you know, having all these struggles for all these years, but then you put twenty twenty on top of it, and he's already been suffocating in the last six years. Year seven's not going to be any better. It's not going to be any better. So I, I, I don't know how he does it. I really don't. That's a great question. That's something that I could sit here and think about all day. Well, yeah, obviously, you know, I have a lot of frustrations. I think everyone has a lot of frustrations as Vandy fans. You know, at this point now, you almost feel bad. You almost feel sorry for, you know, the coaching staff. You almost feel sorry for some of these players, especially the players. You know, you got to think about these seniors who are going out, you know, maybe their last year they're going to play football and not win a game. Obviously, that is just heartbreaking for some of these guys. You know, my question is, how do you motivate these guys moving forward? I don't have an answer to that either. I don't know how Derek Mason goes in. Yeah, that's a tough question. I don't know how he goes in, you know, with a straight face and looks at these guys and, you know, it's expecting them. You know, I we see little tidbits on YouTube from some of the things that Vanderbilt posts about, hey, we're just going to, you know, compete. That's the number one thing we're trying to do is just compete, you know, put the best, 
product out there that you can and that way you, you at least feel good about yourself that you tried your hardest you know i think that really is the only message at this point that i can see Derek mason you know in that locker room is just hey give it all you got and that way at least you know you tried your hardest so but the main thing is you know how do these other teams prep you know you look at some of these other uh some of these other programs everyone knew going into the season what the you know some of the frustrations were going to be obviously dealing with players sitting out guys who you know are not testing with protocol how do these other teams prepare like what is the the disconnect how do these other teams prepare for this season and you know how has Vanderbilt been so poor at it well I'm going to go ahead and say this and this is just my personal opinion but Vanderbilt is a liberal university and when you talk about Mississippi State you talk about Ole Miss, you talk about Auburn, Georgia, Alabama. You think they give a about what's going on? I don't think they do. I think they care about football. Okay, let's Texas put a mask A&M on. sure doesn't care about let's, what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Texas A&M. Okay, let's put a mask on. Let's coach football. We got a football season to play. Vanderbilt, they're more worried about their reputation. They're more worried about following CDC guidelines and, you know, doing it the Vanderbilt way. And obviously, the Vanderbilt way is not the way. It's it ain't not. working. It ain't working. No, right. it's not working. Not, it's a very not liberal not university. For sure. Absolutely. They don't and, and, and honestly, they don't give a shit about football. They don't. Vanderbilt University, when you talk about Ryan, when you talk about, okay, so when me and you played at Vanderbilt, we were fortunate enough to experience some some what you would say big upgrades. Highs and lows. You know, highs and lows. But as far as facilities, you got, you know, me coming in as a freshman, you coming into your redshirt junior year, you had the locker room upgraded. And then I think after mm-hmm. the year you left, we started, or maybe when you were still there, we started working on the indoor. You know, we got things yeah. like that. We got things like that. We got new uniforms, things like that. Was just a small little, you know, tidbit of what needed to be done. And they're not doing anything, they don't care. When you compare Vanderbilt, off the field to other SEC football universities, facilities, nutrition, all that, it does not compare. It doesn't match up. It's the, it's not only last on the field, it's last off the field. Yes, great education. That's that's phenomenal. That is, that is great. I, I will say the Vanderbilt degree has done me great. But guys are coming to school there not to just get a degree. They're coming there to, and I, I hate hearing this, compete in the SEC. I think when Franklin was there, Ryan, we didn't say that. We said win in the SEC. Right. And I think you're exactly right. I hear too much every time I, uh, you know, every time I read an article from Candace Lee or Derek Mason, I, that is a, that is kind of like a highlighted word that I tend to see quite a bit. And that's compete. You're absolutely right, Joe. We're not here I'm, to compete. We're here to win. Yeah. Win. Winning, right? Win. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. win off the field and compete on the field as a football player. Listen, and I know you can agree with me, Ron. School is important, okay? Yes, we did what we had to do to graduate and get our degree, but we came to freaking play ball, okay? At least that was my mindset. That was my mentality coming in. And we came to play Mm -hmm. football. Take care. If football was important to you, then you took care of your business off the field. That's how it was because football was number one. And I think that – you look at the other teams in the SEC, football's number one. And then if football's right. number one, you do what you have to do off the field to keep that number one. That's just my opinion. Yeah, you make a, co- you make a couple of good points there. Obviously, I definitely have to agree with, um, 
you know, about how football is life. Football is life. like these guys live, eat, breathe, you know, SEC football and these other programs. And, uh, and it's pretty, it's been pretty apparent over the last few years that Vandy is just doing enough to get by. I think, uh, I think you can't really make the case that they're trying to excel in everything that they do. Although that's kind of the word that they preach, you know, Hey, we're going to be excellent in everything that we do. I can't see that those words really holding any weight because um, kind of the, some of the points that you mentioned, I mean, we, it, it always just seems that Vanderbilt is doing the bare minimum just so that we can, uh, you know, just so that we won't lose our spot in the SEC and so that we can maybe just keep our heads afloat a little bit. We are a sinking ship right now. I just don't think yeah. I've ever seen in the history of the program, a program that is just at the lowest, the lowest point I've ever witnessed it. And, you know, I, and so how do we move forward though? I mean, that's the big thing. Obviously every single week we come on here, we discuss, you know, obviously the, uh, our heartaches and what we want to see get better, but how do we move forward? Is it as easy as just a coaching change? Is it, you know, is it more in depth than that? Is it, uh, you know, getting a new AD? Is it, you know, what needs to happen, Joe? Well, I, I think that I'm not, and let's not take 2020 into consideration with my comments here regarding your question, Ryan. But I think that, you know, let, let me, I got some stats right down here. Okay. Coach Mason's been the head coach, 78 games. He's 27 and 51. That's a 34% winning percentage, Ryan. Okay, he's 10 and 42 in the SEC. That's enough for any other coach in the SEC to get the boot immediately. No questions asked. They're not even going to negotiate it. He's had to, let's keep in mind, he's had two contract extensions. He's in the second year of a six year contract extension right now. He's making two and a half million dollars to not do, to, to not be a winner. And, and, and listen, you know what? If people want to argue, well, he's not getting what he needs. He's not getting the money, the resources, you know, the help that he needs. Well, then, you know what? Shame on Vanderbilt University. Shame on you for having a program in the SEC and not living up to that standard and doing what you can. Because everybody under the son of God knows that Vanderbilt's got money to do whatever they want. That's the truth. On top of that, shame on him for not fighting for that. Because, you know, one of the things I've heard from, from Ryan and other guys is Franklin would fight for it. Franklin would go up and say, we need yeah. this, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, Franklin would, and he did. He did that. Ryan's exactly right. And he's not doing that. He's not doing that at all. Now, I have faith that Dan Deermeyer, the new, the new chancellor, he has a background. He, he was the chancellor at USC. Southern Cal, not not South Carolina, USC. At least when I was growing up, USC was was Southern Cal. Um, and same, he, I still he, think he, USC is Trojans. <laughs> uh, yes, okay. So, but here here's the thing about Deermeyer. He knows the importance of a football program and what it does for a university, especially an elite private institution. That is what USC is as well. It is the elite private institution. Even though I have a master's degree from the from the school across town and hate USC with all of my you know, with all the blood and guts <laughs> in my body, you know, I'm a, I'm a UCLA guy through and through. I still respect USC because they always, no matter what, are going to put a, a dang good product out there on the field. And he knows that what that does for the university as a whole. He knows, like, my, my wife teaches online 
to uh, for her second job. She teaches kids in China online. She has a dad. Uh, one of the dads of one of her students went to USC for grad school, and they saw that on her private, she went to UCLA. And the guys, the little Chinese kid who's five years old, who who's learning English from my wife, goes, you went to UCLA. My dad says to tell you that USC has a better football team. And they have pride in that <laughs> as a university. Okay? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Vanderbilt doesn't have that. And now I think that Dear Meyer can, uh, you know, uh, from what I understand, you know, he is intra he has the backing and the interest of actually turning this thing around. But I don't believe at that this point that Candace Story Lee is the person who is going to do that because, you know, I have it on very reliable information that the AC in the in the weight room for the football program was out for two weeks and no one bothered to fix it back in September. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's 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 ridiculous. And if if if, if that is a basic thing, you can't get a freaking HVAC guy out there to fix it. Like, come yeah. on. Like, how, how do, you, like, do you, you And if you expect excellence in everything, if you expect excellence in the classroom, if you are supposed to be this world-class university that is amazing at everything you do, how do you not take pride in the single most visible thing that you will do to most of the American population, which is play football? It's kind of like false advertisement, honestly. It is. They should be held accountable against that because it's ridiculous. Because I, I, I don't, I, I know Candace because she was uh, a huge part of you know the administration when I was there as a player. Ryan as well. She played there. She graduated. She's got like two or three degrees from there, so she's very well respected. I don't think it's is Candace the person that can do the job. It's is Candace willing to do what needs to be done to make Vanderbilt relevant again? Because like I said, just absolutely ago, right. She she has she has access to what it takes to make Vanderbilt football competitive again, and it's we're, we're at the point now where are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. I think she has the credentials. Yes, she's a woman. That doesn't do anything for me. She she has history at the university. She has experience. She was a student there, multiple degrees. I mean, athlete. She was a great athlete. All she got clout. Yeah, exactly. She's got clout. On paper, she should have everything. But if she's not willing to stand up to Kirkland Hall, if she's not willing to actually take accountability for the athletic department in general and the football program specifically, then what are you doing? That's a great question. You know, that's why that is a great question. I mean, who knows? uh, Obviously, we can only speculate. I mean, every single one of us wants to go in there and sit in some of these meetings that Candace is having with maybe, you know, whoever the decision makers are, you know, Obviously, we all want to be in those meetings to see what's really going on behind closed doors, because you're absolutely right, Joe. I absolutely think Candace is qualified, but unless she's actually willing to do what it takes, that really doesn't, you know, that really doesn't justify her qualifications. Right. Uh, One thing I really liked about, you know, one thing I really liked about Frank, and we made kind of a point earlier, was that uh, when he said he was going to get things done, they got done. Right. And um you know, and, and he really didn't take no for an answer. Yeah, and, he wasn't complacent. And we saw that. We saw that at the players level. Obviously, from a players level, you either gonna, you either going to buy in or you weren't going to be there, Joe. I mean, how many guys did you know that were on that team prior to Franklin and then were not there after a season or two of him being there yeah. because he just weeded out guys that weren't going to buy in? Same thing from the university standpoint. He was getting the fraternities to buy in, the student body to buy in, the whole entire city. Um, and he didn't take no for an answer. I mean, think about before Franklin got there. I think about 
our training room. I think about our weight room. I think about the facilities that we had just in the short stint that he was there. We got the in, we got the indoor training facility built. We got a complete upgrade on our locker room, a complete upgrade on our weight room, a complete upgrade on the training facility. Um, we had more resources than you can imagine as far as nutrition. Uh, you know, we had massage therapists coming in there. I mean, it was just, it was, it was really, really impressive just in the short stint that he was there, the things that he was able, the things that he was able to accomplish. Um, so we all look at that and say, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the starting point. Now that is what we all expect. We all expect, you know, from that point moving forward, that is the standard now. So I hate to see us take so many, what feels like so many steps backwards. And that's what's so disheartening about these last seven years is you think about a peak, you know, the peak that Joe and I were at finishing our careers and the peak that Vanderbilt football was at only for us to take what feels like 10 years back in time, you know, how does that happen? Yes. And, you know, and I was thinking about these, you know, oh, well, you know, Mason took us to two bowl games and I'm like, I mean, let's be real. That's, that's basically piggybacking off of the hard work that Franklin did. I mean, that, those two squads that went to the bowl games, I mean, yeah. I gotta, I, I really truly believe that that was only because of James Franklin. I don't think that had anything to do with Derek Mason. And so you couldn't really make an argument against that because it's just been trickling, you know, more and more uh, south. Uh, and it's only getting worse. So the program, in my opinion, is at an absolute low. How do we move forward? You know, everyone I think is is hoping for a coaching change this off season. I don't think I don't know how they would make an argument to keep Derek Mason for another year. Um, so yeah, obviously we're all frustrated. We just really want to figure out what is it going to take to get Vanderbilt competing again, and not just competing, win it, winning again. Because this whole compete BS, you know. What is that? I don't. I don't even know what that means. Compete, you know. Go out there and try hey, hard. Anybody can compete. That yeah, that just means showing up. Yeah. Go compete. Go, hey, we're going right. to compete. Go compete. What is that? Exactly. That's horse. That, that's exactly what it is. And you know what I think, Ryan? You alluded to this fact just a second ago. But James Franklin came in and he just had this persona and this just just this cologne of confidence that he wore. I was and terrified, he, Joe. How, ter- was, how scared were you? Oh, well, hey, listen, there's one thing that you didn't want to do, and that was piss that man off. And it, it worked. It worked. And what I think about James Franklin is James Franklin came in, and he, the, what differentiates him from other coaches in the past is he did it the James Franklin way. He didn't do it the Vanderbilt right. way. Derek Mason is doing it the Vanderbilt way and not the Derek Mason way. I'm not saying it would be that much big of a difference, but Franklin came in and he took control and he said, Hey, look, if you want to win, this is what we need. And this is what we have to have. And this is what we have to do. And it just seems like everything fell in line, you know, on top of great coaches and, you know, everything outside of just the players. But right now it's like, you know, you, you look at a Derek Mason interview and man, you just, you, you look at a defeated man. You look at a defeated man that doesn't have many words to support what we are witnessing as spectators, alumni, and fans. I, I'm actually going to push back. I don't think he's defeated. I think he's indifferent, and I think that's worse. To well, me, to me, in, if you if you look at the if okay, you look at the press that's a, conference, that's a great point. I think that he he just he's monotone and indifferent. In in, in he doesn't have 
you know, I, I think being defeated shows at least that you care. And I don't even, I don't necessarily believe that. I guess I believe that he cares, but he does not do a good job of showing that. And there's no fire or emotion. No, there's there there there's nothing. There, there there's nothing there. And you know, and and I think that is also reflective in the amount of players who are leaving the program right now and who are opting out and who are who have been who poorly managed, mismanaged. And I know for a fact that there is there are you know I don't want to say a mutiny going on in the locker room, but there is a lot of upheaval happening in the locker room. Joe, uh, yeah. what do you? Yeah, Joe, what do you think? What do you think the conversations are like in the in the locker room? Man? Yeah, that's a good question. Man, I don't know, but I was thinking about this the other day, and you know, earlier in the year we were getting reports and information about offensive linemen opting out. You know, like three starting offensive linemen opting out because of COVID, and and I, I do respect the um, I guess the the measures that have been in place for you know protecting the people that are, um, you know, that can be severely, yes, severely affected. But I was thinking, I said, man, if I was playing during this time and I had the same guys in that room that we played with, there wouldn't have been one guy opt out. That's just how tight we were. That's how close we were, man. I, I mean, you know what I mean? That's, that's what I feel like. It was truly a brotherhood. Like, we loved each other. Yes, we, we gave each other hell, but we loved each other and we played for one another. And that was special. And it's not like we had a bunch of five-star offensive linemen up there. We just had guys that were tough as shit and that played for each other and that are going to do whatever it takes to get it done. I was a two-star. I was a two-star. I was a nobody. Nobody. Two-star. Proud of it. When I didn't even have a picture on Rivals, bro. I was a nobody. I didn't even take – it was unbelievable, I'm telling you. But you know what? It's all about want to, man. Want to. These offensive linemen that are opting out, I'm not going to judge them as individuals, but I, I will say this. that When me and Ryan were playing, there wouldn't have been a, there wouldn't have been a so opt-out. You're either going to be on part of this offensive line or you're not. And that's just the bottom line, man. And I think that's the mentality. They just have this soft mentality. It's like, we we don't even have to practice today because we got COVID, you know, to worry about. Like, no, practice is an opportunity to get better and prepare. And I don't feel like Vanderbilt is getting better or preparing the way that they can. Well, they, they certainly weren't prepared for Ole Miss because if you watch the opening drive of Ole Miss, they had – you know, three weeks, essentially two and a half weeks. Once they knew they once they knew they postponed the Missouri game to know that Ole Miss was going to be their next opponent because they had a bye week and then they're going to play Ole Miss. And it looked like they were shocked that Ole Miss came out and ran no huddle. If you've watched any game of a Lane Kiffin coach team in the last decade, you know they are going to come out and go no huddle. And you know that they are going to spread it. And it like it was it, it was like they had never seen it before. And it was they were gassed in the on the first drive. And like, I just don't understand how you are so woefully underprepared, especially when Derek Mason is supposed to be a defensive genius. I it it is absolutely mind boggling to me as a fan, as a former player. I can't even imagine how it makes you feel. Yeah, I'll look. I just blew a lot of wind. So I'll let, you know, I guess Ryan. Yeah, let's let Ryan. Because Ryan Ryan had a lot of success. I mean, he, he played for Franklin. He knows. And to be able to see it and witness it as an alumni, it, it pisses you off. But I'll let Ryan go. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm still thinking about the point. Uh, I'm still thinking about Joe's point a little bit about how tight we were as a group. And I truly do 
I truly do feel the same way. I really, what I really did like about uh, maybe some of the coaching methods that Franklin and Coach Han and some of these other assistant coaches had was that we, we were going to hold each other accountable. And what I mean by that is if you were going to be, let's just say you were late to class or you were late to practice or you had a mistake at practice, you are all going to pay. Oh, oh. <laughs> you, <laughs> oh. And, uh, and that, and just that simple strategy alone tightened our relationship. I was check. Hey Joe, did you make it to class? Or he was checking on me. Hey Ryan, did you go to class today? <laughs> hey Ryan, like, do you know, do you know what you're doing on this play right here? You know, you got the, the wheel linebacker. Like we were making sure everyone knew what the hell the other guy There's was doing. There's a class checker. You know get to class. <laughs> like, you know, a class checker would show up early and we would be like, Hey, we know he's not coming today. We need to text him and say, Hey, class there's a class because if one person missed <laughs> the whole unit had to suffer well yeah and and uh but you know it, it, that just that simple strategy alone i feel like really you know joined us as a you know as brothers would seem like in a lot of times uh you know you just had the other guys back man and and that just came from giving it you know yep want to <laughs> want to um yeah absolutely agree with you guys man it's just, uh it's very very i'm speechless sometimes you know i don't even know because i just feel like every time i come on the show you know we sit here and it's the it's the bash Derek mason show and it's the hey look how good franklin was but you know that's really all we have to go off of right now as fans you know we're looking at you know, we're looking at where the where the program was under James Franklin. And how I mean, what an exciting time it was back then. I mean, <laughs> I look at the stands now with COVID, and I want to get into this a little bit because I actually didn't know that Matt about uh, who's allowed into the stadium. But last year, you would I wouldn't been able to tell the difference if there was COVID this year or last year. I mean, can you do you guys remember uh, that photo that was taken of the Vandy band or something or one of the maybe it was the cheerleaders on the fan on the field? And you could kind of get a glimpse of the stands. There was no one on senior day. No senior one day. There. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was taken from the press on senior box. day. Yeah. 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 I know exactly what there you're talking about. I, I know because there. I was one of the few people who was in the stadium for that. I, yeah. I, I, I did not miss a game last year. I haven't, I haven't missed a game since I moved to Nashville. Um, and it is, it's pathetic. It's so what's this, yeah. So what's this about? Uh, so what's this about? Who's allowed in the stadium right now? Seniors. Uh, senior students. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's Correct. It. That, to the best of my knowledge, it is, it is it is senior students, and there's a limited amount of like press passes and stuff for the press box. Um, but it's and yeah. so what's keeping you know how are these other universities you know having still twenty five thousand fans at their games uh, because following all the social it's, media it's, guidelines? It's a, it's a combination of uh, it's it's a combination of of Nashville city guidelines um, enacted by the mayor. Okay. And uh, uh, Vanderbilt being overprotective. Liberal mayor, liberal university. I'm just letting you know that's exactly what it is. It is. I'm telling you. Well, it's you definitely. It's the different I don't think it's overprotective. I don't, I don't think it's overprotective at all. I think they're using this as an excuse to try yes. to not. Yes. Because if they, if, they open the, if they open the gates up for more fans to show up, they, no one would come. So they're, I honestly don't believe that they're protecting yeah. anybody. I think they're using this as a crutch to try to kind of distract what's really going on, and that is that no one, no one would be there. And what's really sad is, is I think about these poor parents who have to sit up in the 
whatever that Marriott hotel is every single oh, yeah. week and have to watch their kids from their hotel room when you got, you know, you look at some of these other programs across SEC and even Vanderbilt who's letting their seniors in. You're telling me we can't let the parents in? Mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, my yeah. poor, I think about my poor mother, you know, gosh, I mean, that's sick. It's, you yeah. know, y- your son, your son or daughter, you know, uh, goes to play, you know, athletics at a university and you can't even go watch them play, you know? It's just it's very disheartening. I think uh, I think it's sick. I think it's sad, and I think Vanderbilt is should be ashamed that they're not letting the parents in. And well, I, I, mean, and I it, really it, think that they're just using this whole COVID thing as a crutch. It's ridiculous. I mean, Ken Seals' parents, Ken Seals starting as a true freshman. His parents can see him live at the Texas A and M game, but they have to sit in the Marriott Hotel when they when, to watch him for at, at home. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say let the parents in before you do the seniors. I agree, but I you gotta have more parents well, right. than you will seniors. There, so. Even if you want to keep them socially distanced, there's plenty of room for both of them. There's right. plenty of room for both. I plenty mean, of room. There's <laughs> plenty of room because it ain't Tons. like all because it ain't even if every senior showed up, which we know every senior ain't showing up. Like no. even if every senior showed up, there's still gonna be plenty of room for all of them. So I I, I don't I don't see that as it's it's so asinine in in, yes. in my opinion, and I am. I don't know. It's it's really tough. Like I was, you know, I I've sat in the stands for some really rough moments. Losing, I'll keep bringing this up. Losing to UNLV at home by twenty. Um, and and the, the UNLV team that was so bad that their head coach got fired at the end of the season yeah. last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then Mason sat- got a contract extension. Mm-hmm. He got yeah. a contract extension the same year that a head coach got fired that beat him by twenty. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean that's Joe. Uh, my my favorite, I think my all time favorite uh, quote from Derek from from Derek was that, hey, you know Vanderbilt uh, Vanderbilt's not always going to be a bowl team. We're gonna you know we're gonna go in ways. It's just it, it's just what it is. How you? I mean that's my all time favorite quote right there. Yeah. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Franklin saying, no. hey guys, you know not every single year is going to be a bowl team. I mean his his number one thing was we're just going to go one and we're 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 going to be thinking about what's in front of us now and that is going one and oh this week you know it didn't matter who we were playing the goal every single week was to go one and oh could you could you even imagine him uttering those words of you know Vanderbilt's going to go in waves we're just not going to be a bowl team every single year and that's just what it is (laughs) Ryan we were scared we would literally be, be scared if we lost because we knew how hard we worked how tough they coached us the workouts, the conditioning, I mean, everything that we did, they prepared us. They wanted – I remember Gall saying in the summer, there ain't no team in the country running as much as these big boys, or there ain't no team in the country lifting as much as we are, and then running after during the summer. I mean, they, they made sure that whatever we did, it was going to be – it was going to supersede the opponent. They always did that. I couldn't imagine Franklin saying something like that. I mean uh, – yeah. I remember him being pissed off when we went six and seven his first year after we lost the Liberty Bowl. You know? Yeah. He was pissed. Oh, and yeah. Mason, it's just like that's a successful season to him. Six and seven. I mean, that's that's his best you know? record in a, in yeah. a season of six and seven. Yeah. Yeah. You you get six wins, and that's when you had three out of conference games and or out of conference games. Yeah, that, that's when you get to play Mercer, Tennessee State, and like yeah. Southwest Alabama A and T, Austin P. You know, teams like that. And yeah, it's it's it, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I mean, it, it would be 
it's just it's a night and day difference as far as atmosphere, personality, everything about the program is different. You're so passive now. You don't see anybody getting pissed off when something goes wrong. It's just like, oh, something went wrong. But uh, defense has got to get off the field. Offense go three and out, you know. The emotion. There's no emotion. Yeah, I mean, no emotion. That was a good point. I, that was going to be another thing I wanted to talk about was just, you know, the whole second half of that game against Ole Miss. I didn't even see, I don't even think I saw Derek Mason, you know, I saw no emotion. I mean, could you, I just remember Franklin screaming at us, you know, if there was a bad play, even if we had a good yeah. play, he was coming yeah. over there to chew your ass out about something. The emotion, I mean, gosh, that man, how many times was that man in tears a week? I mean, yeah. no offense to, uh, no offense to, to Franklin, but that man was, his heart was completely invested into the program. He wore it on you know, his sleeve. Uh, he definitely wore it on his sleeve, man. I mean, you could see just the physical emotion week in and week in about how much he cared for this program, uh, whether that was him, you know, trusting at you and just, you know, <laughs> getting pissed off at you or him, you know, talking about how much this means to, to him and his kids and his wife and, and how much he relies on us and how much he cares about us and how much he would, you know, do anything for us. Um, yeah. I just think there's a lot. I think, I just think there's a lack of emotion right now in that program. Uh, and obviously we've, we've seen that a, a bunch, just looking out on the sidelines, looking at coach Mason. Um, and that's when I think maybe kind of to your point, Joe was, man, I just see kind of a defeated man almost, you know, yeah. how do you move forward? How do you, how do you address your players? coming into the locker room and you're down by 40 points. It's like, I don't even, I don't even know, man. I don't even, <laughs> I don't yeah. feel like it's, it's honestly hurting my head to even think about it because it's, it, I don't know who can say anything. What can you say to him? What is there that you're going to say? Like, all right, guys, you just got to keep it up. You know, like, I feel like that's like my triple B ball coach back at the parks. Like, Keep working hard, guys. Right. We're going to eventually get there. No, you don't say that. Those guys. So what's the good? Are we going to need a clean? Are we going right. to need a clean house, man? Yeah, you got a clean house. It's time. Seven years, like I said, ten and forty-two. Love them, Mason. Great guy. But we're not. We're not talking about personality here. We're not talking about being a good person. We're Character, talking about you know? winning. We're talking about winning football games. And there, I right. do believe that there are other people that can potentially come in and, and flip the script. I mean, I, I just do. I think what's seven taking, years what's is taking so too long. long. Seven what's years. Taking so long? I don't know. what. I why mean, doesn't a program – why does every single program in the country, you know, do an audit every single year and look at, um, yes. you know, look at coaching, look at, you know, the success of the season? Do we see things getting better? I mean, I don't know what message that he's feeding – you know, some of his uh, superiors about, oh, man, just, you know, we're putting things together. I just need more time or, you know, hey, maybe once I get some of my recruiting classes in here. I don't know. I don't I don't buy into that kind of stuff. I think you could I think any coach could uh, could come into a program year one and just see significant results, um, you know, because that's always kind of what I talk about, how we won nine games my senior year and your senior year with two star guys. Right. Um but you know what? Again, I just don't understand. 
And that's back to our point about the university just doesn't really seem to care. They just kind of are totally fine with average. I mean, they are what a coach used to tell you, you are what you put on tape, right? Yeah, you film can say, like, oh, I would have got I would have got him coach. Oh, you didn't. Because film don't lie. You are what you put on tape. And for these words to be coming out of, you know, some of these high up, you know, whether it's Candace Lee or Derek Mason, hey man, your words really you know, that's a boy who cried wolf right now. Your words really don't mean anything anymore, you know, driven business. And that's really how. Yeah. To me, the most telling thing from this past weekend is when they had penalties on back to back to back plays, you have two defensive offsides right at the goal line. The second one is declined because they scored a touchdown on it anyway. And then on the kickoff, they get penalized for having two guys with the same number out on the field. That is is the most basic of oversights the most basic of oversights and did you hear what the excuse was for it they wear different numbers in practice that was the excuse that he gave in the press conference afterward uh, a reporter asked me he said oh they wear different numbers in practice a like why did you wear a different number in practice when you were when you played no you know th- <laughs> think, think about this think about well, this tennessee number. tennessee okay vanderbilt you know what when, when me and ryan played they were our rival okay so that we we didn't want to lose to them because we knew we could beat them Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt, the other day, I forget who they were playing against. It was last week because they just had a bye, so it was the week before last. He fired his defensive line coach in the middle of the game or right after the game. He fired him because you know why? He knows what it takes. He knows what needs to be done. And if there's any kind of cancer, if there's anything that he feels like is holding him back, he's getting rid of it. He's chopping the ax. He's not going to wait until the end of the year, like Mason has done year in and year out, to make different changes. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do what Jeremy Pruitt did. Jeremy Pruitt, to me, he he showed me how big his, his, his pair is by doing that because that's not easy. You to tell a man that you are firing him after uh, you know a, a sloppy performance. That's not easy, but he felt in his heart it was the best interest of the team and their future moving forward. As part of being a head coach, you got to make those tough decisions. Yeah, you 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 really do, and it is. He doesn't seem like he's willing to make them. Um, so my question for you then, Joe, if. If Candace Lee comes to you today and says, okay, Joe, I'm putting you in charge as the executive VP of Vanderbilt football, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, my first thing I'm, I'm doing is I feel like Franklin did this, but he went to administration. Let me tell you something. Those guys that Franklin recruited, do you really think they had good enough GPAs? I'm not. Listen, I wasn't smart. I had like a 2.8, 2.9. I'm talking about we had guys, four-star recruits, that had 2.1, 2.2 GPAs that now have a bachelor's, a master's degree from Vanderbilt. It's all about want to. Franklin stood up on the table for these kids and told administration that he was going to get them through. That's what he did. And these kids graduated. These kids had no business, myself included. I had no business attending a school like Vanderbilt University. We didn't. But Franklin demanded we get the resources, the tutors, study hall hours to make it possible nothing to him was impossible it wasn't it's all franklin's mindset was want to if you want to if you care about something bad enough and you want to get it done it doesn't matter how high the hill is you're going to get over it it doesn't matter how far you have to claw and scratch and dig and argue and fight you're going to do it 
It's got to mean something to you, man. It's got to mean something to you. So go to administration and say, look, don't don't make 3.0 minimum. Make it a 2.5. Let me at least work with that. Let's see the graduation percentage over the next few years. Let me do that because that's going to help you with recruiting. You have to have that in recruiting. And you have to negotiate budget. You have to get more budget. There's got to be something done. The away locker room, I feel bad for teams that travel to Nashville to play Vanderbilt that have to sit in that piece of shit away locker room. It, I had a better seventh grade locker room in junior high school than what Vanderbilt has for their away teams. It's ridiculous. I'm serious. I'm so fed up with this. There are so many things that Vanderbilt can do that they're just being, they're just not observing about. It's just like, they're putting, a, you know what, to me, they're putting a big middle finger up to guys like me and Ryan that busted our ass every single day to bring those wins and that success to that program under Franklin Sutherland. And that, that, that pisses me off. Something needs to be done. Mason needs to go. The staff needs to go. Candace Lee needs to talk to somebody who is a successful AD in the SEC and get something together. Yeah, I mean, take action. Words are just words. Action speaks louder than words, right? Well, they won't even disclose what they're doing. They have no – they. Give no information about what their plans are. She gave a little brief summary earlier in the year about the renovation plans, right? About what they want to do. Have we heard about that since? We haven't heard a word. You know why? Because it's all it's all talk. It's all bullshit. Action needs to be taken. I, I love Vanderbilt. It changed my life. I love James Franklin. I love Herb Hand. I love the band that I played with on the offensive line. Those are we might not talk every day, but I have a bond with those guys that means more to me than I can explain to you right now. That's why I'm getting fired up. I'm not doing this for show. You can cut this out. I don't give a shit. You don't have to put this on the podcast. Oh, it's but going I, on the show. I, I love Vanderbilt, man, and I'm sick of seeing this bullshit continue on and nothing be made. You know what happens with change? You take your first step. We have yet to take one step. You got to take your first step. And we haven't taken the first step to make our situation better. Do you think that's because they're afraid? Do you think that's because they're afraid of pushback from like Kirkland Hall? Because who gives a I don't care. Listen, listen, you gotta you gotta separate. There's a fine line. You come here to play football, you come here to go to school. School obviously is more important. It can take you further in life than football can. But for the love of God, don't negate the football program, okay? Don't do it. Don't do it. Kids are coming here to play football and get a good education. They're not coming to Vanderbilt to get a good education and play football. They're not. If they tell well, you, you know, then, Joe, they're you know what? Go ahead. This is where they're hypocrites. Where they're hypocrites are is, is kind of your point. You, <laughs> if you're going to have a football program, why not try to make that football program the absolute best program that you can make it, right? So, you know, if you're going to do something in life, why not do it to the best of your ability? And I think that's what's so frustrating is we get this lip service saying that Vanderbilt, you know, hey, we compete in everything we do and we excel in everything that we do. Well, I don't really – that your words have not shown that, right? Your actions have not shown that, excuse me. So, um, yeah, man, if you gave me – if you gave me the – uh the torch right now to lead the way i would absolutely go straight to whoever my superiors are and i would just say listen uh i'm gonna need full control of this program no ifs ands or buts because leadership is going to start from the top down right and if i am restricted from doing my duties uh to the best of my ability then i probably wouldn't be a coach that would want to uh 
you know, come to a school like Vanderbilt. And I think, and I'm sure they've had issues with that in the past. You know, I'm sure coaches have come in and saying, Hey, I'm going to need X budget. I'm going to need to see X plans, what you guys have written up for the future. And uh, if any of those things, you know, conflict with my, with my message or my way of doing things, I'm going to have, to, I'm just going to have to tell them that I'm not going to be able to coach the program. Right. And if I was any coach, I would make, I would make those my demands coming in day one. So once I got, basically full control of the program, then I'm going to have to get, you know, a coaching staff that is going to be completely bought in. Right. Again, leadership kind of starts from the top down. We are, you know, we as coaches are the ones who are supposed to be leading these young men. I, I think people get that confused sometimes. It, it almost seems as if the players right now are teaching these coaches and it should be the other way around. Right. I mean, the coaches are the ones with these, you know, 25 years of experience. The coaches are the ones who have experienced life. And again, all of uh, there's a lot of different uh, there's a lot of different things that football can prepare you for as you transition out of college into the real world. But if I got the uh, if I got the torch, I'm getting I'm getting whoever my superior is to basically give me full control of the program. I'm going to have to get me a coaching staff that is completely bought in. It's exactly what we saw when we had Franklin here. You're either going to buy in or you're going to get the f out, right? And then we're going to take those coaches and we are going to recruit our freaking asses off. And we're going to be about what we talk about. And I'm going to be having, uh, you know, conversations with architects. I'm going to have to be, hey, I'm going to have an expectation of I need to see blueprints of X, Y, Z by this day. And I'm going to make that, you know, fully transparent to the public so that, hey, come June 1st, 2021, this is what we have as far as phase one. Not that, hey, we've got something in the works here. You know, you guys just stay tuned. Just stay tuned. No, 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 no. There is no no more of this stay tuned BS. I need to see actual results. I need to see, you know, <clears throat> I need to see an actual time frame of when we plan on to move to phase one. So I'm getting blueprints drawn up of facility upgrades. I'm getting a coaching staff that's completely bought in that's going to recruit their freaking asses off. And I'm going to find me players that will that will scratch and claw and do whatever it takes to be a part of this football program. I don't need some guy who's a five-star guy who's coming in thinking he's the man. I would much rather recruit guys that are going to be hungry motherfuckers who want to play football, right? Uh, and then I think with that alone, I think I could put a program together to be competitive out there. Right now I see guys who don't give a shit, whether that's coaches or players, you know, obviously we haven't seen any plans as far as uh, recruiting tools, because again, the facilities and things like that, those are all just recruiting tools. It's not like we can't go into a weight room and, you know, get stronger. The, the equipment doesn't have to be some state-of-the-art equipment, right? I mean, right, right, <laughs> you know, right. a bench press is a bench press, a squat rack is a squat rack, right? You know, these are all just recruiting tools. You know, unfortunately, that's the world we live in where these 17-year-old kids are going and seeing you know, they, they want the flash and that, that's just, you know, the ugly nature of the sport that we play. But, um, yeah, man, I'm going out there and I'm recruiting the most bad, meanest motherfuckers I can yeah, find. Yeah. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get everyone to buy in just like Franklin did. You either buy in or you're gone. And I'm going to do the best I can to be completely transparent with the fans or the student body. And, uh, a lot like Franklin did. He went after those people because they were important to the program. It got, it got the players motivated when they used, when they looked up in the stands and saw 80,000 people in the stands, you know, or however many, you know, seats our, our stadium holds, but you don't think that motivates players to want to go out there and win when you, 
Could you imagine being a player right now and looking up there on Saturdays and seeing, I don't know, thousand people, maybe not even that, no. maybe a few hundred people. So like spring Dude, practice. They don't, they, they don't give a crap. I mean, who, who would, I mean, what kind of motivation is that? So, you know, things like that really do go a long way in my opinion, getting the student body to buy in, getting the community to buy in. Franklin was going to freaking restaurants and, you know, talking with owners. He was going to golf courses and meeting people. He was going to the fraternities and telling them, you know, Hey man, yeah, I, I left class one day and I saw him at the medical center handing out ice cream. Midday, yeah. I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. He was working an ice cream stand, handing it out to people. Like he did whatever it took. He didn't just sit in the facilities all day, look at film, get the practice schedule together. No, he did all that plus more. He was very engaged. Like Ryan said, he's he's going to all these uh, you know these functions and all these events and all these speaking engagements. He's getting the word out. He's yeah. excited people. So I'm getting about better. So I like to get people excited. I like to get people excited because I really feel like that adds momentum, right? And I think that Vanderbilt clearly has zero momentum at this point. I don't think they have anything to really look forward to this season. You know, if I'm a player, I'm just basically, you know treading water until we can get new management in here because obviously the boys there cannot succeed under their current management. And, um, and that's not their job, right? I mean, their job there is obviously they're just doing what they're told. You know, I'm sure these kids are in there, you know, whatever the coaching techniques are or whatever message is being sent in the locker room. I mean, the, the guys there are probably just doing exactly what they're told, but unfortunately the, uh, the management there is just not getting it done. So, I think uh, I think we gotta have to see. I think we're gonna have to see some new faces after this year uh, if we ever want to get back to uh, to resembling a program that you and I left. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that, one hundred percent. Well, boys, Matt, what's your final question for Mister Joe? Joe, what is your favorite memory of Ryan? So I don't really have, like, <laughs> this is the thing, like, Ryan, I, I, this is just what I can speak on is, like, Ryan was just always positive and optimistic. And, like, I remember camp, like, the dog days of training camp, like, everyone was just miserable and just exhausted. And Ryan would always keep us laughing, always keep us smiling. He was always talking shit, like, I don't know, man. And it was just, you know, and, and, and the thing about Ryan that I remember is like being a young guy and, and him like bringing me and, uh, you know, some others under his, his wing, you know, and helping us. Ryan wasn't, wasn't, you know, there's a lot of guys that, that want to be dicks to the young guys that come in and, you know, not, not help them out and not show them the way. And Ryan was the complete opposite of that. He was like, you know, he brought us in. We hung out. Like, he didn't just talk to us at football and help us at football. We would hang out outside of football. He'd invite us over to his condo. He'd invite us to dinner. He would. He, he genuinely cared about us. And um, But funny, I mean, honestly, I could talk a lot about funny memories, but I just wanted to say that about Ryan, and that's something I do appreciate. And having an upperclassman like Ryan really did make the, you know, the transition to college football easier. And uh, I think, you know, Ryan's leadership had a big part in, you know, my, my little bit of success as a player. That's what we do as offensive linemen at Vandy, right. bro. We got each other's backs. Matt and I talked about that a few few episodes back. Um, <clears throat> that's how, you know, I got the same treatment when I was a freshman. I look at when I was 18 years old, I looked up to this guy, you know, Thomas Welch. Thomas was, uh, you know, was drafted by, I forget he was drafted by, maybe the Rams. 
I can't remember what team he was drafted by, but uh, was very similar to me. Late draft guy, played five or six years in the league, but he was the same way. He, you know, I looked at him like he was a freaking god. I mean, this was the six seven, three hundred and fifteen pound guy. You know, who was just. I was like, oh, my God, I want to be this guy when I'm, when I'm a senior. This dude is unbelievable. And he was the same way, man. He hit me up. Hey, Seymour Butts, what you doing tonight? Come over, man. We're going to kick it. Yeah, I'm man. like, damn, dude. I think that, I just was like, that is so cool. So I always used to tell myself, like, man, when I get older, I'm going to be the same way. There's just absolutely no excuse for guys to have little man syndrome. I feel like they got to pick on the young guys because, you know, they're younger or maybe smaller or whatever. So uh, I don't I don't have no room for that man in my life i just think you should treat everybody like you want to be treated and you know life's too short you got to look at things positively obviously when you're down and you're like you know you're tired from practice or you just like maybe coming off a loss um you just got to find ways to to keep things positive dude so i hope that the guys there in the locker room are are getting some of that you know still and uh hopefully i left a good enough footprint on my guys like joe and my man Barrett and Joe and all those uh, <clears throat> underclassmen that, you know, were rookies, I guess, when I was when I was older. So hopefully they left the footprint on that program the same way I did when I left. But, uh, man, I feel for the guys, man. I just I really, truly do feel for these players because uh, I know that none of them ever thought coming into to Vanderbilt, this was how they were going to spend, you know, their seasons man you know I, I feel like these guys are getting cheated and, I, and we all know that all of these podcasts are all in love because we're so damn passionate about the university and the sport and and how much the game has all changed our lives so but man i, I don't know man we just uh we just hope for better times i guess you know obviously yeah. covid has put a big put a big damper and there are a lot of other things going on in the world right now that are more important than football you know but um but we'll see, man. We'll just see. We just hope for the best. And like I used to do, just kind of have a positive outlook, man. Yeah, got to take one step yeah. at a time. Yeah, and that's exactly what you taught, man. And that's – I still – I use it today, man. Like, I, I just – I have no time for negativity, man. I don't – you know, if something goes wrong, I always tell myself there is somebody out there that has it way worse than me. It does not matter. Like – here today, gone tomorrow, man. What is to, what what is the worries of today going to do for me tomorrow? No good. So don't worry about it. You know, enjoy the that's time right. that you got with each other and and, and appreciate it. I think that's a, I think that's a perfect place to end, man. Yeah, that's a perfect, perfect place way to end. end. God, yeah. God bless. Uh, you know, God bless our coaches, our players, our president. Obviously, we got you know. Uh, you know, this will probably air a few days from now, but with election night tonight. So obviously there's a lot of things going on in the world that people are, you know, waiting to see where, the, where, where we end up. But, uh, but man, we all hope for the best. And we, we pray for those people out there who, who maybe need, uh, maybe need, you know, a little bit more than we need right now. So we just try to watch out for them, keeping our prayers, man. But Joe, we like to, we like to end every podcast with, uh, with our guests giving us a big old anchor down, man. So can we get one from you? Yeah, man. Hey, I, I, honestly, I forgot how it, it just anchored down. Is that how it is? Just, just anchor down, down, baby. Just anchor that's down. It. Okay. Anchor <laughs> down. down, baby. <laughs> I don't know if there was a countdown <laughs> or what, man. Sorry. But, that's yeah. it. The well, boys man. Well, hey, down, dude, man. Thank, thank you again. Thank you, guys, out, thank you again, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you guys so much, man. Y'all have a great one. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.